Well, turn in your group. Your uh, you could uh, turn to 16 because we're going to look. And I think I put it. I could put it this way. Let me just get a, moved it up here to this. Um, we're going to look at what I think one of the most important aspects concerning salvation is our security and assurance. And they go together. Sometimes people misunderstand them. Sometimes people think they're the same thing. Our goal is that we would understand that you would understand that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, He gives you what? What does He give you? Eternal, eternal life, and eternal life lasts forever. And so when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're saved and saved forever. Well, I have to tell you a story. So I'm, I'm at my office, and I get a phone call. And it's a nurse uh, uh, at Stillwater Medical. This has been several years ago. And it's a nurse that I, I just happened to know, and she was working there. And there was a lady in intensive care that was kind of, they thought might not make it, and she was calling for a pastor. And they, nobody knew a pastor. So they called me and said, would you come and talk to the lady? I said, I'd be glad to talk to the lady. So I go in there and I meet her and we're talking by the, the bed. She's talking. And, and I brought it up and I said, you know, if you, you know, if you were to die, you, would you go to heaven? And she said, I hope so. And I said, okay, well, let's talk about it. And, and so we, we began to talk. And she said, oh, yes, I have trusted in Jesus Christ as my Savior. I said, okay. Does that mean you put your faith in him and he's given you what? Eternal life? And she said, yes, I have eternal life. I said, so, so you know that you have eternal life and you're going to heaven. I hope so. I said, no, wait, wait a minute. I said, now, okay, you've trusted Christ, right? She said, I have. And he's given you what? What? She said, eternal life. And I said, so you know that you have eternal life and you will be with Jesus Christ. And she said, I hope so. And I talked to her for 35 or 40 minutes, and she never got past saying, I hope so. Even though she said she believed in Jesus Christ, she understood John 3.16, if you believe in him, he gives you what? Eternal life. And yet, every time she would say, I hope so. And, I mean, I talked to her for a long time. And so sometimes when we start talking about assurance of salvation, there are people who have put their faith in Jesus Christ as Savior. They've trusted in Him to give them eternal life, but they're not really grasping exactly what that is. Or maybe sometimes they're not even knowing what they're trusting. Because, see, we say you trust in Jesus Christ for what? Eternal life. What if I just said you need to make a commitment to Christ? What does that mean? What does that mean? What's the offer? What has he given me? What, I mean, so, so we'll talk about that more as we get into that. So in the, in the past few weeks, of course, before last semester, we saw a whole bunch of terms, a whole bunch of everything. Last time we saw that we're, we're looking at the doctrine of salvation, how God has brought mankind to himself. We call it the story of the Bible, how the perfect God brings sinful man back to himself using his son, Jesus Christ. It's grace and faith and love and all of those things. The Ephesians 2, 8, 9, probably one of my favorite verses. It's by grace getting what you don't deserve. You have been saved through faith. It's, it's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not of works, lest anyone should boast. So we, we've been understanding that, and we see that salvation is a gift, and we're saved by grace through faith. Now here's the, the sort of the key question, and it goes to this. Once a person trusts or believes Jesus Christ as Savior or trusts in Christ for eternal life, are they saved forever? What do we say? Yes, yes, and it's true. Once a person puts their faith in Jesus Christ, they're, they're, they're saved and saved forever. Are they eternally secure? What's the answer? Yes. I've talked to some people, and they'll say, yes, I've trusted in Christ, and now I have eternal life, and, and I'm going to heaven. I said, so you're going to heaven no matter what. And they go, well, now I don't, I don't know about that. 
they because they ha- they haven't grasped it. They still haven't grasped the whole idea of grace and how it all works and those kind of things. So tonight we're going to look at. A number of things. We're going to look at the whole idea of security and assurance. And so let's start off by defining what is security. I've got it in your little book there. Security is being safe, protected, or held, or secure. If we talk about it as Christianity, we'd say security is that we're saved and saved forever. There are people who will come up and they'll say things like, Now, are you one of those people that believes once saved, always saved? You know, what they're really saying is, Do you believe eternal life is eternal life? That's what they're asking. Because they don't really know. In fact, most people don't know what the offer is. If you ask people, what is God's offer to you? They might say salvation, and you can say, okay, what is that? They don't know what it is. It's eternal life. It's life forever with Jesus Christ. We come into the world, what? Dead and what? Trespasses sins, we're spiritually dead. He gives us what? Eternal life, and we can be with Him forever. So that's what security is, is to be safe and protected and held. And, and, and the, the idea there is God holds us for eternity. He keeps us safe and, and, and is based, I think it's based, on, on, his, it's based on, his, on His character, on His promises and His power. What did He promise you? What did Jesus Christ promise you? Say it right. What did He promise you? Eternal life. Isn't that what he promised you? Whosoever believes in me will never perish but have eternal life. I mean, that's the promise. That's the offer. Let me remind you of something here. The gospel, the good news is the death and resurrection of Christ. The response to the gospel is to believe. And the offer is eternal life. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, gave Him to die and rose again. And whosoever believes in Him will never perish, but have everlasting life. The gospel is the death and resurrection of Christ. That's what He did. He died on the cross to pay for sin. He rose again to conquer death. Whoever believes in Him, puts their faith in Him, trust in Him. Here's His offer. Whoever trusts in Him gets eternal life, because that's His offer. His offer is eternal life. So security is that every person who trusts in Christ, who believes in Jesus Christ, has eternal life and is saved and saved forever. Now, there's a second thing, and that's called assurance. And assurance is this. Assurance is our understanding of our security. Assurance is you understand that you're saved and saved forever. You understand God's character. You understand the promise. Assurance is based on our understanding of the character of God. See, God can't lie. And we'll talk more about it later on as we get through the lesson. But God promises us eternal life. And that's what he says. And when he makes a promise, he keeps it. And so we, we see this. And so there is a little difference. Every person who believes in Jesus Christ for eternal life is secure forever. Not every person has the assurance of their salvation. I would bet, and I'm, I'm just guessing, but I would bet that that little lady at some time had believed in Jesus Christ for salvation, for eternal life. And yet she didn't grasp how it worked. And whenever I would say, so you know for sure you're going to heaven, you have eternal life, and she would say, I hope so. Now, I don't know whether she was still thinking. It depends on whether she lived it on out good or she, you know, she made it to the end or whatever. We all know that some people actually think that you, you can believe in Jesus Christ 
and you get eternal life later, and you just kind of got to go through this life and hope you don't mess up too bad, and then when you die, you can get eternal life. We know the eternal life comes the moment you believe. We'll talk more about that as we go through the study. So let's, let's think about something, and here's some questions that we need to, to think about. Does God, does God, you know, that's based on the promise and power of God, does God want us to know that we are saved? Let me ask you, does God want us to know that we are saved? I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 5. So flip, kind of go all the way almost to the very back of your Bible to 1 John chapter 5. And we're going to look, of course the answer is yes, we're going to look at 1 John 5, 11 through 13. Some great verses, but turn there. And, and let me just say this to you. I know some people that actually say, in fact I heard a, a Bible teacher one time say, it is good that people don't know for sure they're saved. It'll make them serve more. Well, they're serving out of what? Out of fear. They're serving, they're serving to hopefully, if I do what's right, I still get to go to heaven. So we'll talk more about that in just a minute. So does God want us to know we're saved? The answer, of course, is yes. And First John 5, 11 through 13, notice verse, 5, and, uh, verse 11 of First uh, John 5. And, and the testimony is this, that God has given us what? What has he given us? Eternal life. Now, how long does that last, by the way? Forever. Forever. Eternal. See, if it, had, if it wasn't eternal life, uh, it's got the wrong name, Right? It had to be life for a while, life till you sin, life till you mess up. Uh, but the, he says, I give you eternal life. And then it goes, notice what it says. This, the testimony is this. this is the, that God has given us what? Eternal life. And how do you have this life? This life is in his son. Now think about this. God has given us eternal life and it's in his son. That means when you believe in Jesus Christ to give you eternal life, what does he give you? Eternal life. Notice the next verse. He who has the Son has what? Has life. He who does not have the Son of God, what? Does not have life. How do you get eternal life? It's through Jesus Christ. Remember what he said? I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father through me. He's the one that gives eternal life. He's the resurrection and the life. He is the life giver. So God has given eternal life. Eternal life, by the way, is in a person. Eternal life is not in an action. Eternal life is not in what you do. Eternal life is in the person of Jesus Christ who gives to you an eternal relationship with him, and it's called eternal life. And so 1 John 5, 11 says that uh, this is the testimony God's given us life in his Son. Then it goes on to say, he who has the Son has life, has eternal life, but he who does not have the Son does not have life. I want you to look at that verse 20. It says, if you have the Son, we have life. And by the way, the fact is we do have life. Some people, when they look at that and they'll say, he who has the Son has life, if you don't have the Son, they may say, well, maybe that's an if thing. No, it's not. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you have the Son, okay, and you have life. So if we have the Son, and we do, we have life, and, and that's the way the person wrote this. And that then takes us to verse 13, which is one of my favorite verses, because this is, this is kind of the key to the whole thing. And look what he says. These things I've written to you who do what? Who do what? Y'all can look at it. What does it say? Who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may hope, you may know that you have 
eternal life. Listen, we can know that we have eternal life. I trusted Christ when I was 19. I'd never gone to church, but once when I was 6, once when I was 12. I was in the athletic dorm at Delta State. I was, that's where I lived, and, and I trusted Christ in, uh, after a Bible study one night. So it wasn't very long until that I remember walking down the hall, and a guy came to me, and, we, and somehow it came up, and I talked, and I said, yeah, I know I'm going to heaven. He said, nobody can know they're going to heaven. I said, yeah, I know I'm going. He said, so, how good, so you really think you're something that you're going to go to heaven. I said, oh, no, 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 it has nothing to do with me. I put my faith in Jesus Christ, and he gave me, gives me right now, eternal life. So I know I'm going to heaven, not because of what I've ever done, but because I've trusted in Jesus Christ to give me eternal life. See, we can know that we have eternal life. And there's a lot of people who don't think you can know. They think, well, you know, you, you, you believe in Jesus, but nobody really knows till you get to the end, and maybe, maybe you will know, and then who knows. But God wants us to know. Assurance is vital. Now, there's a truth, and let me just throw this out. The moment you're trusting Jesus Christ, if, if it's explained to you correctly, I'm telling you, you're trusting in Christ to give you eternal life. Is that right? And if I said, have you believed in Jesus Christ to give you eternal life? And if you said yes, and if I said, so do you have eternal life? And if they said, I hope so, they, don't, they haven't trusted Christ for what? For eternal life, because they don't know. But if I said, are you trusting in Jesus Christ to give you eternal life? Yes. So do you have eternal life? The answer would be what? Yes. And so at that point, if a person were to say to you, I hope so, you could say, well, I don't know if you're, are you trusting Christ to give you what? Eternal life. You, we can know that we have eternal life. And God wants us to know. God wants us to know that he wants us to be certain. Does he want us going through life hoping that we're saved, wishing that we're saved, thinking that we might be saved, thinking we might not be saved? Listen, we, we've, over the years I've dealt with many people who come out of backgrounds and churches that actually teach you can lose your salvation. They teach, some people teach that you can believe in Jesus. You can, if you do badly, you lose it. And then some of them actually say, once you lose it, you might not can get it back again. There's others that say, you can get it back and lose it and get it back and lose it. Just hopefully when you die, you're in the getting it back stage instead of the losing it stage. And then there's others who say things like, well, you can believe in Jesus Christ, but you can't ever really know. You can't really know you're saved. And so then they go through life also being afraid. And so let's talk about it. Does God want us to know? The answer is yeah. And, and here's why, because it affects us. It affects us. Assurance is vital in our Christian life. It affects two different areas. The first one, it affects our stability and affects our service. So let's talk about this for a second. It affects our stability. If you don't know for sure that you're saved, if you tr say you trusted, you, and somebody said you're saved, and then later you get confused and something, and you don't know, then you're you're, it's going to affect your stability. Think about it. So, sometimes if things are going good, and you're serving God, and you don't have sin in your life, you can say, I, I'm pretty sure I'm saved. But if you get sin in your life, or things aren't going good, or some bad things happen, you could say, gee, I don't know if I'm saved. So you're up, and you're down, and you're up, and you're down. I want to read something to you. Zane Hodges... Uh, is was a, a great Bible teacher. He was he's kind of probably one of the greatest free grace people there are or there were. He's passed away, but he wrote a book called The Gospel Under Siege. And at the very beginning of the book, he has this little prologue, and I want to read it to you. I'll read it to you fast, and it's just a story, and I want to show you what happens. Last night, Jimmy accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. Uh, we'd say what? Jimmy put, put his faith in Christ for eternal life. This morning, he's got joy he's never experienced before. On his way to work, he meets his friend Bill. Bill's always claimed to be a Christian. Bill reads a lot of books on theology. 
Jimmy's never been interested in theology until now. Say, Bill, Jimmy says, guess what? I got saved last night. I trusted Christ as my Savior. I have eternal life. Now I know I'm going to heaven. Hmm, Bill replies. Maybe you shouldn't say it quite like that. After all, you don't really know that you're going to heaven. What do you mean, Jimmy says? Bible says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. That's what I did. I'm saved. Bill gives Jimmy a wise and knowing look. It's the kind of look that all those perceptive theologians know how to give to those ignorant ones. But did you really believe? Maybe you just believe psychologically. What do you mean? Jimmy's feeling a little bit depressed. I mean, Bill continues, you, you, you can't really know whether you have real saving faith. Well, how can I know that? Well, by your works. You have to wait and see if you really live a really good Christian life. Jimmy's dejected. You mean, you mean if I sin, I'm not a Christian? No, no, says Bill. No, all Christians fail once in a while. But, but how much do they fail? I mean, how bad does it have to get before I find out I'm not saved? Well, it can't be too long for too bad. You know, too bad for too long. Well, how bad? How long? I can't tell you. True Christians don't practice sin. But what if I do good for several years and then it starts going bad? And Well, in that case, maybe you weren't saved at all. What? What do you mean by that? I mean, you're probably going to have to wait to the end of your life. Find out if you're sure that you're a true Christian. You have to persevere in good works or your faith really wasn't real. Do you, you think I can know before I die? Well, maybe. Hey, i got to go to work. We'll talk about this some other time. Bill rushes off. Jimmy is devastated. All the joy he had experienced last night has suddenly evaporated. He is now filled with questions and doubts. Right? See, when you, when you don't know, when people tell you you can't know, when people tell you you have to look to the, your works to decide, when people say you can't know to the end of your life, when people say there's such a thing as saving faith and non-saving faith, no such thing. It's not the faith, it's the object of your faith. It's not how much faith you have. You understand that? It's not a saving faith. It's not some kind of faith you build up. and It's the object of your faith. I can have all the faith in the world in Buddha, and I can trust in him, and I'm not going to heaven. And I can have faith as small as a grain of mustard seed in Jesus Christ, and I have eternal life. It's that simple. So stability, it affects our stability, and that's why I think it's so vital that... that People understand that, that people look at that and, and, and say, oh, God, you know, do you have eternal life? Yes, do you have eternal life? The second thing it affects, and this is what I brought out a while ago, is our service. If you don't know if you're saved, you're serving out of what? You're out of, out of fear. You're saying, I've got to hold on to what I've got. I've known people that said, you know, I blew it and I went and got rebaptized again for the third time, and I'm just hoping I can hang on to the end and not mess up. Before, before the end. We talked about this. Was it in our Thursday morning group? We talked about it, uh, about people that, that really thought that, that uh, in, back in church history, there were people who thought that when you got baptized, it washed away your old sins, but then you were responsible for, your, for every sin after that. And so there were some people who waited to their deathbed to get baptized, saying that baptizing me right then as I'm dying then washes away all my sins. I don't have time to sin while I'm dying, and that's the way I'm going to get into heaven. That, that, that happened in certain parts of church history. So how, how important is the assurance of our salvation? It affects our stability. We're either going to be up and down, up and down, or it affects our assurance. And I want you to think about this. Do we serve out of love? With assurance, we do. Why would you serve Jesus Christ? I've had some people say, listen, if you know you're going to heaven, then you can live any way you want to. 
If you understand what Jesus Christ has done for you, are you going to just live any way you want to? I mean, you're going to serve him out of love. You're going to say, thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you for giving me eternal life. Thank you, it's not my works, my goodness, or anything. Thank you, Lord, you have saved me and saved me forever. Listen, if you serve out of fear, that, that's when you don't have assurance of salvation. You're going to be afraid. It's very important because it affects our stability. It affects our service. We all know people, and maybe, maybe, Maybe some of you in this room, as you grew up, as you, maybe before you came to our church, or maybe some, you, you didn't understand it. You might have believed when, in Jesus and, and, and said, oh, I've trusted in him and I have eternal life. And that might have been when you're 12 or 9 or 14. And then as time go by, you got confused. Somebody told you, like they told Jimmy, well, you can't know for sure. Or maybe if you keep sinning, if you do wrong, maybe you never were saved. Or if you keep sinning, maybe, maybe you lose it. By the way, are you going to keep sinning? How many of you, anybody sinned today? Okay. Did you, okay, I want to make that hand go up. I want, I want to make sure that everybody sinned today. But the point is, if we keep on sinning, then we could say, well, maybe I wasn't saved, or maybe I lost it. Maybe I had it and lost it, or maybe I never had it. And so if you, if you're, if you don't know that God has promised you eternal life and that the moment you believe you have eternal life you're, you're going to be unstable and you're going to always serve out of fear instead of serving out of love and so that's now so as you look at your little deal here when we deal with assurance and security it always comes back to two truths because you'll hear somebody say well yeah you can believe in Jesus Christ but if you do badly uh, it either proves you weren't saved or you lose your salvation or you hear people say things like, uh, I, you, you, you don't get eternal life, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's not forever. I've had people say that salvation is a gift, and you can give the gift back. Salvation is not a package. Salvation is in a person. Salvation is in a relationship. I mean, I had a person tell me, yeah, I, yeah, I can get the gift of eternal life, and I can give it right back. And I go, well, is that what you really want to do? And number one, uh, number two is, it's not a package. It's a relationship, an eternal relationship. So when we talk about assurance and security, we really come back to two key truths, and I've got them there for you. What? One, we come back to the truth for eternal life, and let's talk about it. What does eternal life really mean? It means life forever, right? That's what it means. Eternal life is forever. Now, when you believe in Jesus Christ, he gives you what? Eternal life. Now, let me ask you a quick question. When... Does Jesus give you the eternal life? The moment you believe. Truly, truly, I say to you, hears my word and believes him who sent me has, present tense, eternal life. John 5, 24. That's just one. So when we say that eternal life is forever, and when somebody says you could lose it, they don't understand what? Eternal life. If a person tells you you could lose your salvation, they do not understand what eternal life means. Because if he gives you eternal life, how long does it last? Can you, can you blow eternal life? No, you cannot. Okay, so just understand that when, when we, if it could end, it would not be eternal life. It would be something else. And that's why I loved Charles Ryrie. Charles Ryrie was a professor at Dallas Seminary when I first went there. And he, he, um, he would say, and I mentioned it a while ago, he would say that if eternal life is not eternal life, it has the wrong name. That Jesus promised something that wasn't true. He said, I give you eternal life and you'll never perish. 
But if you could perish, and if it does end, then he didn't give you eternal life. So eternal life is eternal life. So it always goes back. When somebody says you, can lo- they could, you could lose your salvation, you ask them, what did you get when you believed? Just ask them, what did you get when you believed? Many times they'll say eternal life and say, well, it can't end then. And they say, well, it can. I said, no. If it's eternal, what? It can't end. Just remember that. It's powerful. The second thing is that, because uh, if you could lose it, 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 it's not eternal. The second thing is these the works of grace. Because a person will say, well, you can be saved, but you can lose it. And you ask them why, and what do they say? Because you didn't live right, you sinned, you didn't do what you're supposed to do, you did something really bad. I had a, I had a friend that was baptized at least three times. He was in a, a Church of Christ background, which believes that baptism is necessary for salvation. And they taught him that he could believe, get baptized, he was saved. But if he sinned, and they didn't ever really clarify what sin, because it was the idea if you sin, not little bitty sins, but bigger sins, but they never clarified what was the bigger sin or a little sin. Whichever. If you sinned, you lost it all, and you had to start over. And so when I knew him, and I was coaching at Mississippi State, and he was, he was actually selling athletic equipment, and I, would purchase, I purchased all the athletic equipment from Mississippi State in those days, so I, I would meet with him, and we, we'd talk, and he'd say, oh, yeah, I'm not taking any chances. He said, I, every time I really blow it, uh, you know, I'll go get baptized again so I can be saved again. And I said, do you not understand that when you believe in Jesus Christ, what do, and you trust in him and him alone, not your baptism, but trusting in Jesus Christ, he gives you eternal life. And he'd say, yeah, I'm not taking any chances. So he, he, he just didn't grasp the idea of the promise. And, and so uh, there's that whole idea of works. Uh, works. And, 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 and look at this. I mean, if we think about it. Works, we're dependent upon my works to be and to stay saved. That's work salvation. We, you, we talked about this, I think, last week. I think I put it up. Let me just throw it up here real again, again quickly. We said that when we talk about Jesus dying on the cross and paying for sin, the gospel message, we talked about front-loading the gospel and back-loading the gospel. And front-loading the gospel and he works on the front end. And back-loading the gospel and he works on the back end. And these people say in order to be saved, you make him Lord of your life. You commit your life to Christ. You get baptized. You join a church. You walk down an aisle. You make a public profession. That's front-loading. That's on the front end. You do those things to be saved. Sometimes in back-loading, people will actually say, you put your faith in Christ. But then they say, but you have to do good works. It's sort of like uh, Jimmy and whatever the guy's name was, he says, uh, you can't know for sure. You have to look at your works. You have to do good works to prove that you're saved. And if you don't have good works, it shows you never believed. These people say, if you don't do good works, you're not saved. You don't ever get saved. These people say, you might be saved and you could lose it. Or they say, you never were saved because you don't have good works. And so let me just say this. Anytime you look to something other than Jesus Christ and the fact that he promised you eternal life. If you look to your lifestyle, if you look to your works, if you look to walking down an aisle, if you look to anything other than Christ, you can never know you're saved. You can never know because you'll never know if you've done enough. You never know if you're going to keep doing enough. And so it's either eternal life is eternal and it's forever. It always comes back to that if they say you could lose it. You can't lose eternal life. And second is it's either works or grace. And if it's grace, it is not works. And, and remember we said it cannot go together. We talked about it that Romans eleven six, Grace and works can't go together. You can't say it's by faith alone and Christ alone, but you've got to do this, this, and this. 
And I hear that all the time. And you do too. Am I right? You hear people say it's the grace of God and then they add things to it. Just like the other day. It's the grace of God. God wants you. The person said, God wants you to know and, and, and God is a God of grace and so you need to make a commitment to Him. You need to be, you know, to, to you know, come under His Lordship. He, let Him be your Lord and Savior. And, and we've all heard people say you need to make a public profession. We, we've all heard people say you need to, to do this and to do this. And, and many of them, I, I, I always tell that story that when I turned on the TV and it was what, just, I was clicking through channels and there was this guy and he said, we and there's a whole bunch of people out there. I mean, bunches of people. They're always just gigantically packed with all these people, and they have such a weird message, and all these people are coming to that. I don't understand it, but there they are. And he said, listen, tonight, I want you to understand that God has a gift for you. It's salvation. If you will repent of your sins, give your life to Jesus, walk down an aisle, and make a public profession, he will save you. So he added four things. He just said it was a gift, and then he added four things to it. And, and so people said, well, okay, I've got to repent of my sins, which... They mean turn away from sin. Anybody still sin? We talked about it a while ago. I know you do. But anyway, so, right? So if anybody still sins, then we didn't repent of our sins, right? To turn away from all our sins. And, and by the way, can you do that as an unbeliever? Do you have any ability as an unbeliever to stop sinning? No. We have ability as a believer not to sin, Right? Walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That doesn't mean we will. I mean, I still sin all the time. On purpose. Right? Do you? You sin on purpose? Anybody in here sin on purpose? Y'all act like you never sin on purpose or you don't see it. This must be the... Maybe y'all did pass being a saint or something. I don't know. That, that's, that's great. But the bottom line is, you know, when you look at it, it's either eternal life is forever it always goes back to that and it always goes back to these works of grace and if they say you could lose it because you didn't do something or because then they're not saying grace they're saying works and so we have to understand that as well let's talk about and let's flip over to Ephesians just for a second uh, Ephesians 2 8 and 9 that's one of my favorite passages one of my favorite verses um, so just flip over to Ephesians Galatians Ephesians Philippians and by the way, grace, depending on God who gave us salvation as a gift, it's completely undeserved. So let's think about Ephesians 2, 8, 9. And I love the verse because it has so many great things in it. I think that sometimes people, when they look at verses, we read them so fast, we miss them. But Ephesians 2, 8, 9 uh, is so powerful. If I, let's see, I gotta get it. I'm in Philippians, so it doesn't add up right. But uh, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, and it says this, For by grace... You have been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. And it's not a result of works so that no one may boast. So let's talk about it for just a second. I've got there for by grace. What is grace? Grace is what? Getting what you do not deserve. Now I want you to understand by grace you're saved through faith. So grace is getting what you do not deserve. We talk about this all the time. And we say, how many people deserve to go to heaven? No, not a single one. Because we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. We owe God death. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's not one that seeks after God. We, all, we, we, we are not deserving. God did not look down at us and say, they're trying so hard and they're so sweet and they're just the greatest people. He actually looked down and all we like sheep have gone astray each one our own way and there's none seeking him. We were doing our own thing. And so it is the grace of God that we are saved. So he says, for by grace you have been saved. What does it mean to be saved? I, whenever 
we have membership training, I always use this verse and take people through it because a lot of people are confused. What does it mean saved? Saved from what? Saved from what? Separation, from being separated from God. So, and we would say it this way, uh, you're saved from separation, which is the lake of fire, which is hell, which is separation from God forever, right? So he is your savior. So let me ask you a question. I always ask people a question. How many of you, and I ask people this, I'll say, how many of you trusted Jesus Christ to keep from going to hell? And, and so few. I mean, I say, raise your hand if you trusted Jesus Christ to keep from going to hell. Raise your hand. Good. Because that's why you trusted him, right? I mean, he's your what? Savior. Saved you from what? From going to hell. I've asked that question. People go, not me. I said, why did you trust him? I wanted to serve him. I said, you were dead in sin. You didn't have any idea what it meant to serve God. Nobody, don't tell me you thought you were going to serve God when you were dead in sin. Why do you trust in Jesus? What did he do for you? He died in your place, paying for your sins, and rose again, and he offers to you what? Life, eternal life. Because if you don't have life, what do you have? Death. And the second death is eternal separation from God. It's called hell, the lake of fire. Uh, actually, you know, the Bible never really calls it hell. It calls it the lake of fire. And, and so, sometimes it's called Gehenna. But the bottom line is that, that we're saved from the lake of fire. That's why he's called a savior. So if somebody were to say to you, did you believe in, I mean, I've asked people, did you believe in Jesus to keep from going to hell? They go, oh no. I go, well then why did you trust him? Why would you trust him? It just sounds bad, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I was so selfish, I only trusted in him to keep from going to hell. Well, that's exactly why you should trust him, to keep from going to hell. So by grace, you've been saved through what? What is it? It's faith. What is faith? Let's talk about it because it's really confusing for a lot of people. What faith is, is believing is true or taking God at His Word. Faith is taking God at His Word. That's what it is. And, and, and another way to say it is being assured of something. See, I, I believed, I am assured that Jesus Christ gives me eternal life. That's my, my faith in Christ. And people are always talking about, I mentioned it a while ago, about different kinds of faith, whether it's saving faith or non-saving faith. Look, there is no such thing. People say, did you really believe? There's no such thing as really believing. It's not a matter of sincerity. Sincerity doesn't save you. I can be sincerely wrong. I can sincerely trust in Buddha, and I'm wrong. It has nothing to do with your sincerity. It has nothing to do with the amount of faith you have. It has to do with the object of your faith. You're taking God at His word. God said, I will give you eternal life. I died for you. I paid for your sins. I rose again. I will give you eternal life when you trust in me. Trust me to give you eternal life. And I'm fully persuaded that Jesus Christ gives me eternal life. That's what faith is. And people have all kinds of things like, oh, I don't know if you really... I, I had a person... I have to tell you this quick story. I had the person come in to see me. This was years ago. And this person came in and said, I just don't know if I can believe I believe anything. I said, what do you mean? I, I, I just don't think anybody can believe anything. I said, well, do you believe there's a God? Well, I believe. Well, I don't know if you can believe anything. And I, I mean, and so I said, do you believe you exist? I, 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 really, I don't really know. If I, I said, let me ask you this. I said, I had my nameplate right there. I said, see that nameplate, right? Do you believe that's my nameplate? She said, I, I just don't know if I can believe that. I said, you need to go to a psychiatrist. I mean, I, <laughs> she lost her mind. 
And some people think that faith is some kind of weird thing that, that you, can, you can go to the doctor and go to the pharmacist and they're usually in some big tall thing and you have to reach up, you know, and, and, and they give you medicine and you keep, first of all, the thing you hand them, nobody can read it, right? And then you give it to them and they give you medicine and you take it. You believe that they're going to give you good medicine. I have people say, well, you can believe that, but you can't believe about God. What? Faith is taking God at his word. Then we got a Bible that's full of God's word. And we say men and women of faith, that means we're taking God at his word and seeking to, live, to trust his word, live by his word. Okay? So by grace, you have been saved through faith. And then what does it say? And that what? Not of yourselves, it's the what? It's not of yourself, it's not what you do. I talked to a guy one time, and he, and he was talking about the night that he, he did not get saved. He said, I was, I was going to get saved. I said, really? You were going to get saved? Yeah, he said, yeah, I just, I just couldn't get up and walk down that aisle. He was in a church that taught, come down to the front and you'll be saved. And he told me, he said, I just couldn't do it. And see, he, he didn't understand. It's not of yourself. It's not what you do. It's not walking down the front. It's not giving your life to Jesus. It's not getting baptized. It's not trying to live a good life. It's faith. It's taking God at his word. By grace you've been saved through faith. Not of yourselves. It's the what? It's the gift. The gift of God. I always love to talk about gifts because I like gifts. Don't y'all? What is a gift? What is a gift? You know that the Greek word for gift and the Greek word for grace are very similar. They have the same kind of root. So what is a gift? Huh? Well, well, you, yeah, I guess, yeah, you didn't, uh, let's say it this way. If somebody gives you a gift, it's not because you did something to get it, right? Because if you did something to get it, it wasn't a gift, it's something that's earned. Like if you said, I, I'll give you $5 if you'll wash my car. I'm, you're not giving anybody $5. You're, they're earning the $5 because they're wash, washing the car. But if you said, I'd just like to give you $5, you'd say, why? Just because I want to. Well, that's a gift. And on your birthday, what do you get? And what did you do? Absolutely not. Your mother did it all, right? I mean, she should have the gifts. But anyway, the bottom line is that a gift is something that's free and unearned. Now, we live in a culture that if I came in and I said uh, to, Ke to Kevin, hey, I, I got a gift for you. In, in, in our culture, we think, oh, golly, they gave me a gift. I, I got I to get them something, right? That's how we feel. But if you really understand a gift, you say, just keep on giving. Just keep on giving. I'll take it all. Keep it on giving. Keep it on bringing in. Because you don't deserve it. I mean, it's a gift, right? You didn't earn it. You didn't do anything. So by grace, getting what we don't deserve, we're saved from separation from God simply by taking God at his word, being persuaded, persuaded of what he said. It's not what we do. It is something free. It is a gift. It is not by works. And notice what it says. It goes into verse 9. See, verse 8 uh, says, it's to get to God not as a result of works. It's not what we do. Why? So that we can't what? Boast. Let me tell you. If walking down an aisle saves you, you can say, I was willing to walk down that aisle. Some other people weren't. If baptism saves you, I can say, I was willing to get baptized, but some other people weren't. If making Jesus Lord of your life saves you, I can say, I was willing to make Jesus Lord, and some other people weren't. I mean, you can boast, but listen, when you come by faith and grace, you're not boasting. There's nothing to boast on. God does it all. You're taking the gift of eternal life, and it's simply by faith. That's why I love Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It's grace. You're saved. By faith. It's not what you do. It's a free gift. It's a gift. It's not by works, lest anyone should ever boast. 
I mean, are we pumped on that? We should be so pumped. We should be, we should be going, can we believe that the message we get to tell people is not be good, not go to church, not try to do this? No, it's not. That's not our message. Our message isn't that. Our message is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will have eternal life. Well, what do I have to do? It's a gift. We're offering you a gift. We have, a, we have this neighbor, that's, they had a baby, and they lived two houses down from it, and we saw they had a baby. We don't even know him. We never knew him. So Jean, Jean's the nice one. I'm not the nice one. She said, you know, we ought to, we ought to take them something, like, like something to eat or something. I said, okay, let's do that. Let's do that. I mean, so we walked down there. We've never met them or anything. We knocked on the door, and they opened the door like, okay, who are you? And we said, listen, we know y'all just had a baby, so we thought we'd just give you this gift. You know, and they went. And they went, well, Wow, thank you. You know, because people aren't really used to getting what? Gifts, because even in our culture, they say things like, you don't get something for nothing. I mean, you, why would you give me a gift? What do you want in return? And nothing if it's a gift, right? And see, that's why salvation is so incredible. That God in His grace and mercy and love says, I give you eternal life. It's not by your works. It's grace, it's faith, it's a gift. Well, let's don't get over it because it's, it's too easy to get over it. And let me tell you, what do most people think about church? They think that the whole idea of people going to church is that that's what you do. You, you go to church. If you go to church, somehow God's gonna be, you're going to be okay with God. So going to church has something to do with salvation or trying to live good has something to do with salvation. If you walk downtown and ask certain people, just ask them, what do you think a person has to do to, to, to go to heaven? Many people are going to say, well, you know, try to live a good life, do good things, try to be the best you can be, be nice to people. Uh, you know, I mean, there are going to be some people who say, well, it's Jesus. But, but when you start saying Jesus and you start talking to them, they're, they're so unclear on what you do that you wonder if they ever trust the Christ. I mean, they're so unclear. It's just amazing. I, I, remember, I remember talking to a, a, a couple years ago, and they wanted to join the church. So they came in and they sat down with me, and I said, oh, great. I'm so excited that you want to be a part of our church. And so I said, tell me about when you... And I didn't want to give it all away by saying trust in Christ. I said, tell me about when you, when you believe, when you trust, when, I, and I don't know how I put it. And they both said, we just knew it was the day. And I went, okay, the day what? The, the day we were to walk down the aisle. We both knew it was the day we had to walk down the aisle. And see, in their mind, walking down that aisle was the day they got saved. Because they thought walking down the aisle had something to do with their salvation. We do membership training, and we sometimes have 30 people. And I always tell them, I said, uh, sometime during the day, if I hadn't talked to you already, I want to talk to you because i got two questions I want to ask you. And they all look kind of scared because they don't know what I'm going to ask them. And so I bring a person up, and I say, here's the two questions. Number one, if you were to die, would you go to heaven? Almost everybody says what? Yes. And then I say, why? People who have been in their church, all, in church all their lives cannot give me an answer. Well, um, well, you know, I believe in God. I believe in God. I said, devil believes in God. How's that save you? Uh, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I said, he died on the cross for everybody. How's that save you? Listen, you wouldn't believe how many people don't even know what they've believed. You should know, right? Jesus died on the cross, paid for sin, and you trusted in him to give you what? 
eternal life. That's how you know you're saved. You've trusted Christ to give you eternal life. It's just amazing to see people who either have been in church all their life and still never understand what our message is. How are they going to share their faith with somebody when they don't even know what the message is themselves? Okay, so let's think a little bit further. Let's go on down. That. Now, here's the bottom line, and here's the key. The key for our security is the character of God. That's Titus 1, verse 2. The character of God. And I'm going to put the verse up. I think, I think it's in this little deal. And I want you to see it. Okay, what, look what it says. Titus 1, 2. In the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised long ago. Now, do you understand that verse tells you three things? Uh, I think I have it for you. List three keys about our security. Look what it says. Number one, the three keys. Here it is. We have the what? The hope of eternal life. Now, I want you to understand something. When you see the word hope, it doesn't mean like, I hope it doesn't rain, or I hope I get to go to the ball game, or I hope we win. The Greek word for hope is elpis, and it means an eager anticipation of the future. So we have the hope of eternal life. That means we have eternal life. Because it says here, the hope of eternal life. And then here's the second thing. God cannot what? Lie. So we, there's eternal life, which God can't lie. And what did he do? He promised eternal life before time, of ages, ages ago. What did he promise you? Did he, does he lie? He can't lie, in fact, right? So you have eternal life. So let me just, uh, we're going to finish up here in just a second. And if you listen, if you got a question or a comment or anything, stop me, because we need to talk through this, because this is so vital. But as we think about the idea of our security and our assurance, it really goes back to two things. It goes back to God's promises and God's power. Okay, write that down if you want to. God's promises and God's power. And I'm going to go to two places to show you his promises and his power. Because he makes a promise. What's the promise? Turn around. What's the power? He, he can carry out whatever he said, right? Okay, what did he promise you? Turn around. So what do you got? Can it ever end? Will he ever change? No. So let's think about it. Uh, John 10. Go flip over real quickly. We're going to do this fast. Turn to John chapter 10, okay? And just look at verse 28. And we're going to see the promise and the power, okay? So in John 10, here it is. John 10, you can look at it up here. I give eternal life to them and they will never perish. Nobody's able to snatch them out, snatch them out of my hand. What is the promise? Anybody know what is the promise in this? What is the promise? He gives what? Eternal life. That's the promise. I give eternal life. It also says what? I give eternal life and you'll what? Never perish. Now you understand that that's the, it's saying the same thing two different ways. I give you life that goes on forever and you shall never perish. So the negative is you can't perish and the positive is you have eternal life. That is God's promise. And by the way, when in Greek it says, I give them eternal life, and it literally has in no way, no how. So it's like a double negative. Now in English, a double negative becomes a positive. But in Greek, a double negative becomes stronger. So he says, there is no way you will ever perish. No way. So when a person says, well, you could lose your salvation, they're going against what Jesus said. Jesus said, there's no way you could ever lose your salvation. What's his promise? I give you eternal life and you'll never perish. What's the power? Nobody can pull you out of his hand. Nobody. Nobody. 
Notice what he says, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. I give eternal life to them. That's the promise. They'll never perish. That's the promise. And the power is nobody will ever be able to snatch them out of his hand. Are you holding on to God? Huh? No. Is God holding on to you? Exactly. Listen, you ever watch a mama and her kids and they're fixing to cross the street? Give me a hand. Give me a hand. Give me a hand. I mean, those things, if you let them go, they'll just run all over the place, right? They're not holding on to you, but you're doing what? You're holding on to them. You're saying, slow down. Slow down. That's what my mother said all the time about me. Slow down, please. And so, so think about it. You may not be holding on to God, but he's holding on to you. Okay? Now let's look at another place, and this, it, so God is greater than all. And then we go to Romans 8. Most of you know Romans 8, and, and uh, the promise is this. There's, no, there's now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. No separation, okay? What's the promise? No condemnation. And then you get to the, let, let me do this. Let me, um, let me flip over there just for you. 8.1, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That's the promise. And here is, and there's no separation, no condemnation. What does it mean to be condemned? It means to be damned. Condem condemnation? It means to be damned. Damned means to be separated. There's no condemnation. There's no separation for any of us. That's a promise. You know what the power is? Nothing can separate us. Listen to this. Listen to this. In all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that, are you ready? Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The power is nothing can separate you. The power is nothing can pull you out of his hand. The promise is there's no condemnation. The promise is I give you eternal life and you shall never perish. So for every one of us, he gives us eternal life. We will never perish. Nobody can pluck you out of his hand. Nobody can separate us. Nothing can separate us. So I hope and pray that when we think about the assurance of salvation, we know we're secure in Christ and we have the assurance of our salvation. That's why I love John five twenty four. Truly, truly, I said to you, here's my word and believes him who sent me has present tense eternal life. Will never come into condemnation. That's the future, but it's passed from death to life. That's the past. It's powerful. Romans 4, 20 and 21, with respect to the promise of God, Abraham, is talking about Abraham, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. Now watch, being fully assured that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. What did God promise you? Is he able to bring that about? Of course, of course. Wow. I want to read something to you. We've got just a few minutes. I want to read something to you, and it's, just, it's sad. Uh, this, this person who wrote this, I mean, this is public, so I'm not just taking something from somebody. This guy wrote this. He's now passed away. But this was in a little ma a magazine that he published monthly. His name was R.C. Sproul. He was a Bible teacher. 
and he was a leading theologian, but he was over with Reformed theology, which in most Reformed theology, you, you, you can't know if you're saved. So he wrote this one day. He said, you know, there are people in this world who are saved, but, but they're not convinced there are. And then there's people who, who are saved, and they, they may lose, you know, they wonder if they're saved. A while back, I had one of those moments. I said, R.C., what if you're not one of the redeemed? What if your destiny is not heaven, but actually hell? Let me tell you, I was flooded in my body with a chill. It went from my head to the bottom of my spine. I was terrified. Now, he said, what, what if I'm not one of the saved ones? Let me ask you a question. You going to ask that question to yourself? Are you one of the saved ones? Yes, of course you are. Here's what he goes on to say. I tried to grab hold of myself, and I said, well, it's sort of a good sign that I'm worried about. Only true Christians care about salvation. I disagree with that statement. Well, I begin to take stock of my life, because that's what they tell you to do, isn't it? Look at your life. Look at your life. And when I looked at my life, my sins came pouring into my mind. And the more I looked at myself, the worse I felt. That's right. Anytime you look at your works to determine if you're saved, how will you feel? You'll see what? What will you see? Your sin. I went to my room and I began to read the Bible. I said, here I am. I can't point to obedience. There's nothing I can offer. I can only throw myself in mercy. And then I thought, well, some people flee to the cross just to escape hell. And that's not real salvation. Why did you come to the cross? To escape hell. He says coming to the cross to escape hell is not real salvation. Then I remember John six sixty eight, where Jesus had been giving hard teaching. And when everybody was starting to leave, he asked Peter, was he going to leave? And Peter said, you have the words of eternal life. And then he, Now, did Peter believe that Jesus had the words to eternal life and that he was the Savior? R.C. doesn't think so. He says, so Peter was uncomfortable and he didn't know. And so I'm going to be uncomfortable also. So this is a man that teaches in, that taught in seminary and was a pastor for years, and he doesn't know if he's a Christian or not. I was in a meeting with Bob Wilkin. Bob Wilkin is, uh, wrote this book right here. I'm going to talk about it in just a second. We're almost out of time. And there was a meeting, uh, kind of a debate, and I went to hear Bob. Bob's a good friend of mine. He and I were in seminary together. So Bob is over here who teaches what we teach, that salvation is by faith alone and Christ alone. And the guy that he was debating believes, in this sort of view, is that you can believe in Jesus, but you can't know you're saved, really know you're saved, because you have to look at your lifestyle, and you have to live good all the way to the end, or else you're not saved. So as they were debating back and forth, Bob said, let me, let, let's stop for a second. He said, I'd like to ask you one question. And the guy said, okay. He said, Bob said, do you know that you have eternal life and you're saved forever? And the guy said, nobody can know that. And Bob said, I know it. I know I put my faith in Christ and he gives me eternal life. And I'm saved and saved forever. And all the guy could say is, well, I, I don't know for sure. Now, what do you want? Do you want to go through life saying, I don't know for sure. I don't know if I've done enough. I don't know if I can prove it by my words. I don't know if I did enough on the front end or did enough on the back end. Or do you want to go through life knowing that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, when you trust in him, faith in him, he gives you eternal life because that's his promise. And there's no condemnation to you. Nothing can separate you. Nothing can pluck you out of his hand. You believe in him and you have eternal life. Which do you want? What does the Bible teach? God so loved 
the world that he gave his son, that whoever what? Believes in him will never perish. But what do they get? Eternal life. So, God promises. Our assurance of salvation is essential to our stability and service. We are secure based on God's character, specifically his promises and his power. I want to read something to you. This is Lewis Beard Schaefer. This book was written, I think, in 19... I think it's written in 1924. Let me look. 1917. Lewis Beard Schaefer started Dallas Seminary in 1924, but he wrote about salvation. He wrote about grace. He wrote about faith alone and Christ alone for eternal life. And, of course, most people didn't believe him in almost all of the main denominations in 17, 20, 25, 30, 35. They all believed that it was good works for salvation, as many denominations do today. But he wrote this book called Salvation. And here's what he says. Whoever, he says, he has promised to save and keep all who put their trust in him, having put one's trust in him for salvation, one either believes that he is able to do whatever he promises, or you suppose that whatever he says is untrue. And here's what he says. Either, and then it's, I mean, he's got, this whole book is dealing with it. But his point is this. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you either take him at his word and he gives you eternal life, or you don't. Two books that are good. This is Salvation. It's hard, it, it, you can still get it even though it was published in 1917. Bob Wilkin is with GES. He's, um, I'm on the board, I used to be on the board of GES. This is a book called Secure and Sure. And it's really a good book. If you know of anybody that's struggling with assurance, and str- this book deals with assurance. And he goes back to the same thing. The moment you believe in Jesus Christ, what are you believing in Him for? Eternal life. So should you know right then that you have eternal life? You should. So I just wanted to, to bring that book. Uh, do we have verses? Did I, I don't know. If, yeah. Uh, there's a verse for memory verse. John five twenty four. Truly, truly, I say to you, here's my word and believes in him has, present tense, eternal life, does not come into judgment, future, but has passed out of death into life. So present tense, future tense, past tense. That's a great verse. And then, of course, that's a little bit long. <laughs> but you should know what my sheep and my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give eternal life to them. Nobody will snatch them in my hand. Father gave me his greater than all. Nobody's snatching my father's hand. I and the father one. So you should know that. But that's a verse to study as well. I think it's in your, your little book.